Welcome to the After Dark Podcast with Anthony James and Conrad. Episode 6, Sigmundus Creatus S. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the After Dark Podcast with me, Anthony James and... Conrad. That's him. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's actually funny that's turned into our proper opening even though it's just completely our natural personality yeah it's just, well, it's, yeah, it's just me shouting my name yeah exactly and then that's it but uh hopefully you like it you know if you have any suggestions if you actually want to become our ghost writer and uh, write something for us let us know all right so this week on the podcast we're doing episode six uh i'm not going to try and pronounce it because you know we're going to do that later but uh conrad and i were talking and we said it's absolutely hilarious at the first time episode after we were trying to pronounce the german is actually in latin yeah i've I've been i've been absolutely sold down the river here because the first episode you got pretty much all the german ones correct before i could get to them and now it's in a language i don't bloody speak so (laughs) it's going to be a bad one for old comrade well we'll 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 get there We'll, we'll get there in the end okay so uh just so just to remind you we are on audio podcast apps so if you'd rather listen to listen to us on those um, if you're out and about in the car, whatever, we're there. All the main ones we're on. If we're not on one, it's because they wanted to keep our podcast and own it. No, thank you very much. So if we're on it, they're a good guy. Listen to us there. Uh, also, just to remind you, if you want to leave a question for Conrad about episode seven, leave a comment underneath my pinned comment. I'm sure you've noticed we've started putting them out later in the week uh, because, to be honest with you, these episodes are getting far too long. Uh, <laughs> as we move through the show... Uh, we're going to try and keep the episodes, I think we've talked, which we want to keep the episodes around an hour long. Uh, max an hour and 20, I would say. Having said that, we're not doing very well at that. So. No, we're doing, we're doing badly at that, I would say, given doing, that we haven't had a single one that's been even close to an hour. Yeah, I think our first episode was an hour and five. Um, oh, was that, it? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, but obviously an hour and five, even at that time, we were a bit like, you know, we'd never done a podcast before, so we were yeah. very, very brief, whereas these days we're just flowing. Um, so I would... Uh, We'll try to do better on that. I will say it's hilarious to me that by the time we're finished going through every episode of Dark, we're probably going to have one and a half times the length of podcasts compared to the actual show Dark out yep. on the internet. That's, that, that's mind-boggling to me. It's it's already getting to the point where you, if you woke up in the morning and started watching our podcasts, you'd struggle to get them done by, by lunchtime. So Yeah. Well, Shakespeare said that brevity is the soul of wit, but Shakespeare was an idiot, so... <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, uh, right, okay, so apart from that, so podcast apps, comments, we're done. We're going to follow Shakespeare's advice and let's get straight into the breakdown. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, let's break it down! So the episode opens a little bit differently than it did last uh, few episodes. There's not like a montage or a voiceover thing going on. It opens with Regina in 1986 tied to a tree. Yep. And she is terrified. She's tied to the tree in front of the cave, too. So, obviously, that's terrifying. Um, now, we don't actually know how what happened in terms of Mads going disappeared, but we do find out in this episode that Regina was with him at some point. So, maybe she knows, is, uh, is it a wary of the cave like the teenagers are in 2019? We don't know. But anyway, that would be terrifying. And then we find out that it's actually, uh, she's having a nightmare. Older Regina is having a nightmare of these events. And then there's the reveal, which we talked about a few episodes before, that Alexander is actually her husband. And you got that right. Yeah, I believe I called that. I mean, it was kind of, 
I was just trying to think of who the awful people in in the series are and imagine them marrying each other, which turned out to be correct. Although I will say, actually, in Regina's defence, I came into this episode not thinking too highly of her. And while she still has problems, by the end of it, I had altered my opinion slight what? Slight what? Slightly. Yeah. I, I just I just concatenated slightly and somewhat into a new word. <laughs> slight what? Yeah. Slight what? Yeah. I would say uh, slight what. I actually agree with you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like I really like this episode, and for me as well. Like I'm sure you noticed in this episode, it's it's funny that two characters who were introduced to us maybe as not so friendly characters or even you know not very good people. Yeah, I mean um, Alexander is almost. It, it, like I mean, if you go back and listen to my opinion in the, the first episode, he comes across as an outright villain um, yeah. to me. Yeah, but it, but in this in this episode, as their relationship grows, actually, they seem to have one of the purest, uh, like nicest relationships. Any especially well, the way it's portrayed at the start of their relationship in the show, anyway. Yeah, um, it, it seems like they actually genuinely love each other, unlike a lot of the other characters in the town. Yeah, no, there's there's definite. Um, there's definite kind of purity to their relationship that isn't present in a bunch of other relationships, um, which is a nice way of kind of reframing those characters. And what do you think about the fact that uh, when Regina was tied up, she was calling out for Katerina and Ulrich? Uh, It's just some good old fashioned eighties bullying that I think is, (laughs) (laughs) it's um, I think that obviously it, it tells you something about what Katerina and Ulrich were like as kids, although they kind of come across as like cool popular kids, uh, already so you could definitely imagine them being like the kind of bullies in the 80s movie that is happening within the series dark um yeah. but i thought more interesting was the fact that as she started screaming she started looking down at the ground just as the episode cut to the title card so mm-hmm. something happened there and we didn't get to see it but it's enough to keep regina up at night uh 33 years on it is it is okay so now we get into the episode title so the episode this week is a phrase yep. which you would have noticed uh, later on in the episode. We'll give it a little tease for that. But uh, it means uh, the world is created or thus the world is created. Yep. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have a go first because I've watched the show so much. I've heard it so much. Okay. So, I, I mean, this, my entire knowledge of Latin is largely based off of Monty Python and the life of Brian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say sic mundus creatus est. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. I find okay. I, I find myself uh, saying "sic mundus creatus est" because basically, yeah, I mean you can put a you can put a bit of stank on it if you yeah. want to get really. Get yeah, really, like I, I like, find myself like you know with the real dark drama going into it, but yeah, yeah. that's basically it. You'll find me saying like "sic mundus creatus est," but it's, <laughs> it's basically "sic sic mundus creatus est." Yeah. Yeah, and I um I will we'll get into this later on when this phrase comes back but my word do i have some things to say about this phrase <laughs> oh awesome uh, holy moly immediately though uh maybe just to give a little tease to the listener what realm were you thinking in terms like if you look at the, the meaning of this word this this phrase just tell us the realm that you were going down in terms of the rabbit hole well so i'd actually already seen this phrase because um and someone in the comments pointed this out in the in the episode where we find out that Mickle goes back to the 80s, uh, Ulrich is listening to a band. And I, I think it incorrectly said the bands looked like they were called Tabula Smaragdina based on the mm-hmm. album cover. Yeah. I think one of the commenters actually said the band name. So I'm assuming it must have been the name of the album. But as part cre- of that... Is it Creator or something like that? I'm might sure. be, yeah. yeah. Um, but their album is called Tabula Smaragdina. And um, 
this uh, this phrase is uh, is part of of the tabulus maragdina, the emerald tablet, um, which I'd already done some reading about. And mm -hmm. yeah, my I did. Let's just say I did some further reading as to what was actually in that, and uh, gave me some gave me some ideas about what might be going on in dark. Interesting. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward to hearing that later on. Okay, so then we move into. They give us a little montage after the credits, so we didn't get it first thing. We get it after. Very sort of small montage where Charlotte is all telling, sort of giving instructions to everyone in terms of finding these kids, uh, in terms of all her police officers. Then we see a yep. picture of Mickle in the class of 86 again, or I think it was yeah. 86, might be a different year. And then there was also uh, Ulrich standing outside the police station, looking very forlorn. And Katerina, very separate to Ulrich, she is on the swing in the backyard of the house. Uh, what are you thought? I'm sure they're brief, but what are your thoughts on this? So I actually hadn't noticed, I don't know if it's actually shown up and I just haven't spotted it before, but the photo of Mikkel being in the class of 86 or 87 photograph, um, that was the first time I'd noticed it and I thought it was genius, to be honest. It's it just, it, it's so, um, it's such a great use of dramatic irony mm -hmm. that we know it's there and no one is looking because why would they be looking? And that kind of mirrors um, the big reveal or one of the big reveals that happens at the end of this episode where something is kind of hiding in plain sight. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, I will say about the Mickle photograph, I'm not sure actually we saw that in the last episode. It, we definitely didn't, didn't see it before the reveal, but yeah. we may have seen it in that sort of, oh, maybe we didn't, but we might have it's seen it. It's a familiar it. shot like of that kind of board in the school with the photos on it. So maybe they've shown it in like a wide shot and not done the close up. But um... Well, I, yeah, to be honest with you, I, I can't remember whether it was in that. It might just be it actually was in episode five, but you were too busy like pumping the air because you got the... Got yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I was too busy like running around the room celebrating to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to notice it. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Um, then we get a scene of Jonas and Hannah and uh, they're, ha they're having a chat Again, about uh, Michael, who we now know was Mickle, and sort yeah. of Hannah recounts when she met him uh, at the hospital. So we've, we've sort of uh, seen that already. Um, so what did you think of this scene? I'm, I'm, I've got a few things to say, but I'm going to let you have a go at it first. So uh, my two big takeaways from this were um, the fact they mentioned Mickle being sick. They don't say with what. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's not coincidence that they mention that in the episode where uh, an episode that is dominated or not dominated by, but certainly features uh, Regina's breast cancer uh, problems. Mm -hmm. um, so I wonder if, if there's something about this process of going back in time or being close to whatever is doing this, that's carcinogenic that causes cancer. Um, and well, nuclear also, power plant. Well, yeah, that's true. Maybe it's just, you know, being close to, like, Alexander's bringing loads of radiation home with him. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's like Homer Simpson. Bringing it home um, is, uh, yeah, exactly. exactly <laughs> um, so that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, and, and I made me wonder whether it played into his decision to kill himself. Um, and then um, Jonas does some really nice acting, the, or the actor who plays Jonas does some really nice acting here, where you can tell he's considering telling Hannah the truth, but he mm -hmm. can't actually bring himself to do it. Um, and I wonder whether that is the last opportunity he will ever get to tell her the truth. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, pretty cool. You touched on a few things I was going to talk about there. So I was going to talk about the fact that he was sick before, cool. And uh, the idea that he was thinking about telling her. I will say about the Homer Simpson analogy with Alexander, <laughs> um, they do have a song called Bart. That's all I'll say. Oh, they! Oh my God! 
we've stumbled onto something here. Alexander, like Alexander. That's my new, that's my new video out next week. I'll do <laughs> yeah. how dark was inspired by uh, the Simpsons. Yeah. Who is the Lisa Simpson of the dark universe? And why, have we, why haven't we met her yet? Yeah. But having said this, in this universe, uh, this is if Homer was competent and rose to Mr. Burns position. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Not very realistic, I think. <laughs> okay. Then we get uh, Ulrich listening to some tapes uh, back uh, of when in 86, whenever Mads went missing, he's looking at the file of Mads as well. Yeah. We see a picture of him in Ma- and Mads. Um, he hears on the tape recording that uh, basically it says, or Yana says that Ulrich Tronti and I Tronti, yeah. were, were all, um, we're all together. Yeah. Uh, it's Tronto, by the way, just for anyone who's only started watching. <laughs> yeah. If you're joining watch, now. Yeah. If you're joining now, it, it, we know it's Tronto, but uh, it's Tronti. <laughs> So Tronti, Tronti, uh, Yana says that Tronti, Ulrich, and herself were all there the night Mads went missing. Yeah. Uh, thoughts. We can bleed this into the later scenes as well if you want. Uh, we find out that isn't true. Well, just just briefly to touch on the most important reveal in this scene, she also says that Mads was at fencing lessons, which the sharp-eared among you yeah. will know from my previous assertion means that Mads will also have to have a sword fight at some point. So I suspect that Mads will be the one who sword fights Regina at some point in this series. <laughs> well, um, I think that probably definitely happened, but yeah. considering that Mads is no longer around, we might not yeah. see it. We'll get hopefully we'll get a flashback where Regina and Mads are sort of doing a training montage where they're fa- also what is up with all these children fences in Vinden? Is that like is that a common thing? Well, there's two of them, Germany? and there's, there's two. two of, and I'd imagine a fencing club would have more than two. So there's some rogue fencing students out there. We it feels, haven't heard of yet. It feels like a very very niche sport for children to be doing, but maybe that's just me being an, un- an uncultured swine. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, on a more serious note, the end of this uh, scene. Ulrich's face I, I I think I probably didn't actually notice it to be honest I, I, I suspected something was up because obviously his, rea- his reaction indicates that he has yeah. noted something from this but it's not until the next I think it's the next scene no mm-hmm. it's not the next scene it's a few scenes time yeah. but um where we find out exactly what it is that he is taking away from this yep uh so moving that, that seems quite a far way in the distance so we'll, we'll we'll sort of come back that um it probably in about two or three minutes just um so the next scene we have uh katarina questioning magnus and marta who are going to leave the house yeah um and obviously she's she's grief stricken over mickle and she sort of is losing control in her mind um and she's trying to make them not go we get a great moment where she slaps uh, marta yeah and then good guy magnus uh gives his mum a cuddle at the end what do you think yeah it's, it's, it's just a lovely kind of bookend to the episode this Marta and Katarina's relationship at the beginning and how it is at the end mm-hmm. um and and just Magnus and, and Marta are, are just a less so Marta Marta seems like she's dealing with the grief in an equally bad way to her mother where she's just like nope Mikkel is dead um and you know she she's kind of acting out of aggression and mm-hmm. and whereas Magnus I kind of see what you what you mean about when when you said previously about how much you like Magnus as a character because he's just like really sweet and caring in this scene where he's yeah. he's trying to he's trying to sort of mediate between these two people whose lives are falling apart and he's just doing it in a very nice way. Um, so yeah, I hope nothing bad happens to Magnus because I was like really touched by him in this episode. Yeah, Magnus is as I said earlier, and he is. I wouldn't say he's one of my favorite characters. Maybe maybe I would, but um, but I, I really like him as a character anyway because especially when you consider his father and his grandfather, um, yeah. like the sort of 
what they're like, and we both yeah, we know they're the both. Cloth cut from. Yeah, the cloth he's cut from. I think that he's doing his best to try and move away from that. He's trying his best to run away from the tree that he fell from. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we get then a very very short scene. Uh, we don't have to touch. We can touch on it a bit later on. It's just uh, yeah. we, we kind of know of, what happens and like, or we kind of already know what is going to be revealed in this scene. I think. Yeah, like yeah, Regina gets basically. We we know straight away she's got cancer. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we get uh, Jonas preparing in his room to go into the caves, it seems, again. He, we get uh, a shot of the map which says, follow the signal. So obviously that means something to do with the Geiger counter. Um, yep. He's also looking at the, le- the letter again, reflecting upon his father. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, so there's two things that I noted here. The first is that a cut from Regina to Jonas. Uh, Regina obviously having her breast cancer confirmed to Jonas, who has been talking about his sick father, kind of reinforced that idea that maybe Mikkel also had cancer and it was something to do with an experience that Regina and Mikkel shared. Um, but also just, I mean, we'll come back to this probably again and again throughout this episode, but the the sort of theme of Ariadne's thread runs throughout this episode and it is Jonas. It's, it's like a really smart way of structuring the episode because it just, every time we go off and do a bit of character work and then we come back to Jonas and he's sort of propelling the episode forward with this tension of his journey through the caves. And obviously it starts here, but it's it's such a great, it's not really a framing device, but it's kind of this story structure device to keep the episode moving forward. And it's so fantastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This actually episode is in some ways one big montage, isn't it? Like there's, there's such yeah, yeah. small cutty scenes and it's all, as you say, driven through Jonas and driven through the play as well later on. And yeah, and there's, there's no like jumps forward in time. It's all happening concurrently or, or mm-hmm. one after the other while Jonas is making his way through the caves. So it's, it's, it's so smart. Yeah, and if I'm correct, isn't this episode all in 2019? Uh, except yeah, except for the very end, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I think you're right. It is. It, it's it basically it is a day in 2019, like the sixth yeah. day in 2019. Yeah, interesting because we got so used to jumping between the times that this was a sort of, in a way, it was. It, it, maybe you'd feel it was like sort of a slowing down, which is, I suppose you sort of need to do. But um, it's it's almost interesting because we were talking about the last episode could be like a, a sort of a, a mid-season end. It could have been like an end of a season. And then yeah. we're, we're into the, se- the, the now the sort of second half of the season. And yeah. we're getting this all 2019, except for the end, obviously, but all 2019 episode. And yeah. it's almost like we're sort of starting again. Like we're, we're ramping up again, back in gear one, ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Jonas is, is right there with us, dragging us by the scruff of the neck yeah. to, uh, to the episode's conclusion. Yeah, and he needs to drag us through those caves because I would not be going in there myself, tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then continuing on from the last uh, few scenes ago where Ulrich was going through the evidence, he then goes around to his parents' house and questions them about where his father was because we now realize that what he had taken from it, he remembers that his dad wasn't there that night. Yeah. Um, okay, so what do you well, think of this? So as as we get through this episode i kind of am reminded of what i said last week where i was saying i I wonder if peter doppler is some kind of red herring because he's so obviously guilty of something and the same is true of tronty i'm gonna keep saying it um the two of them are so well like we know by the end of this episode what they're up to or we have an idea of what they're up to and they're certainly involved in some kind of time travel business as we'll get into a bit a bit later Mm -hmm. um that it's just Dark doesn't feel like the kind of show 
that explicitly says this person is guilty look at how guilty they are and is telling the truth about it because it's it it feels like it's going to be more subtle than that or maybe it's double bluffing me but um yeah i i I feel like so i i'm suspicious of how guilty Tronti and, and peter doppler actually are but equally it's an interesting um scene in terms of sort of fleshing out Ulrich's relationship with his dad because he clearly mm. doesn't have a very good one if he's just suddenly like he he basically resorts to violence within 10 minutes of confronting him yeah. <laughs> with his his theory um and also there's just a really really cool little nod to not not explicitly to him but the idea that um yana was just started praying on the night that mads went missing is kind of just this little reminder that noah's there kind of hovering around in the background Mm. and the idea that god won't help you because maybe god doesn't exist or maybe he does and he's not as good as you think he is um Mm -hmm. uh it's yeah it's it's a really cool scene this um and particularly the fact that that yana lies for well yeah, he's, it's basically history repeating itself, isn't it? So yeah, she she back in that eighty six, she lied to the police uh, to Egon, saying that you know he was there with them, and now she's lying again because we all know that he was around the neighbors trimming a bush. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I'm not commenting on that. I'm leaving that exactly where it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> my what the dub segment this uh, this week is going to have a couple of. Uh, <laughs> Uh, something that's quite a little bit risque compared to what we usually do on this show. Yeah. So, uh, a couple of references I, to bushes. No, there's no bushes, but I thought I'd get some some more risque stuff going so that the listener isn't really repel, repulsed when we get there. Oh, okay, uh, give him a bit of blue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get him ready. Uh, so uh, that scene sort of leads into another scene, um, a very sh- sort of short scene where Auric is holding the the, the figures and um, Yana tells uh, basically Auric that his father was having an affair with Claudia Tiedemann. Yeah. Or Piedemann, because I'm listening to the dub. <laughs> <laughs> it's in- like interesting to find. That. I mean, we did actually know that based on what we saw of the interaction between Tronto and uh, Claudia. Yeah, in- either, either, Tr- either Tronto was very forward in 86, or we knew that. <laughs> So I think it the the more interesting thing to me about this was obviously the the reference to the Nielsen brothers tumultuous relationship and the sort of representation um, of that in the toys that she puts on Mads's grave, mm-hmm. um, and also just name dropping Claudia because I think it's quite because um, yeah, she's it, missing in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. significant that no she's one has there. mentioned Claudia. Like the where is she? Like where? is she dead i feel like if she was dead someone would have mentioned it or you know we'd have heard someone say that you know visiting her grave or or, or at least talking about her but the fact mm-hmm. that no one speaks about her is feels significant to me so i think that i, I want to know more about claudia and, and find out what she's up to yeah awesome uh okay magnus then goes he still seems to be convinced that francisca's keeping something from him um so mm. he goes and checks a little box there's no money or anything in there he goes uh, and then he finds what has to be the creepiest mattress in the middle, oh. like under a bridge. Yeah. This is this is pointing towards some, and then he finds, I think, uh, some condom wrappers or what was that they called in German? Uh, gummies, I believe. Is gummies, the, uh, yeah. Let's <laughs> say some gummy wrappers, a soiled mattress, and Francisca's necklace, which is uh, it doesn't paint a great picture of how Francisca's making that money. Let's let's put it that way. Like yeah, I, you can understand. Like maybe he jumped to conclusions a bit too early, but at this point. Yeah, there's no one alive. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be crossing your mind, like you know. Yeah, like I mean, you know, he 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 wouldn't be um, unfair to confront Francisca with this and say, 
what's going on here um and that just to go back briefly there's a really nice shot as there often is when it comes to the kids walking along railway tracks in the woods mm-hmm. but there's a really nice shot to open this scene which occasionally dark just kind of catches you by surprise with these like awesome moments of photography and that was uh, that was one of them for me yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree and that's actually the screenshot that i've taken for the uh the youtube video too because oh nice yeah as you say like a lot of it like dark is quite dark yeah. So whenever they, like, so obviously the cinematography is always fantastic, but whenever they actually open it up and take you outside into a real bright area and they have a different type of photography, yeah, it, it does catch you and it is really, really beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so then we get a sort of mirror of the scene from the last episode where uh, Gregonis came to Marta backstage and this time it's Bartos. <laughs> um, now, one thing that I was going to note about this uh, before I let you go off on it, um, is I found it very interesting. Now we've got a lot of a lot of people saying that they don't like how much we go and go in on Bartos. <laughs> Some people love it, but a lot of people are saying they don't like it. But that's all right. Uh, we'll continue to do it. However, it does actually in this scene appear. Now maybe he's just trying to say it to make her feel better, but it does appear that he's actually reflected upon the fact that if he didn't make this stupid go and get the drugs plan, that yeah. Nickel wouldn't have went. You know. Which actually, I, just just sorry, uh, sorry. I know this is the I know this is where Conrad has to give his analysis, but I've just realised something, and I want to say it because I'll forget. Go on. How cool is this the sim the uh, sort of symmetry the symmetry there between himself and his mother? Because his mother says that she, well, basically she said she was with Mads when he was taken, because Mads was Mads was protecting her because yeah. she was afraid of being in the forest. Um, that she says that was caused by Ulrich, but I think that's cool symmetry that then Bartos takes responsibility for the next Nielsen that goes missing. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Something going on there. I think um, I, I did make a note that I do feel a bit sorry for Bartos in this scene. Um, he is a twat. Let's not get that. <laughs> let's not get that wrong. But he does seem genuinely sad, and he seems like um, he is trying to fix things, but doesn't really have the sort of emotional intelligence to to know how to do that um perfectly exemplified by the moment where he completely fails to read her body language and tries to kiss her (laughs) while she's sitting down while she's sitting down feeling very upset about her brother who is missing presumed dead he's like this is this is the perfect moment to go in for a little kiss and it's it's just classic bartos who he gives you a little bit of good and then he completely ruins it but um yeah, I mean, he's. I, we joke about it. It's the same with with the other kind of flawed characters in this series. Like they're easy to laugh at, but he he. There is actually some depth to Bartos, which I, I appreciate. The fact that they're not just kind of making him a really one dimensional character. Um, I, I don't think there is such a thing as a one dimensional character in this show. Um, and it's nice that he gets you know a little bit of a little bit of time to to get fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, so the next scene is Katarina looking over her phone bills or Ulrich's phone bills, I suppose, finding yeah. a number that repeat, is repeated a load of times. She rings it. Hannah answers the phone and, and says, uh, like, hello, Ulrich, or she thinks it's Ulrich on the phone. Yeah. Hattery's got her. What do you think? I mean, she she kind of already had her, really. It's yeah, it's, 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 it's quite believable um, behavior from a, a, a sort of... Um, a wife who's being cheated on or a partner who's being che- cheated on that they she already kind of knows but she's she's almost doubting herself and just like she needs like insurmountable evidence that it's the case because you know she's heartbroken about it yeah. um i'll be interested to see what happens between katarina and hannah after this <laughs> let's put it that way 
Yeah, and it actually is very realistic. I think that that like the the partner or the wife need, needing more evidence than an outsider from the relationship would need. You know, yeah. it, it is it's realistic. At the same time, you are sort of watching it, thinking, "Come on, come on, Katarina, just go around and punch her already." You know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm going to sort of amalgamate a couple of scenes now. So Regina is trying to ring Alexander, presumably to tell him about her cancer diagnosis. Um, and then in a couple, a couple of minutes later, we get Ulrich coming into the uh, hotel. Yeah. And Ulrich is sort of confronting her, um, confronting her and asking her about, uh, I think eventually it, it, it leads into him actually accusing her of going to the police about the rape. Yeah, that's where it ends up. It, it's kind it of this, up, yeah. this, this big like um, conversation that deals with their sort of bullying of her yeah. and then lead, leads into the rape allegation. Um, but I think, yeah, so in these scenes, I think it's really interesting that we go from Katerina to, uh, to Hannah um, uh, and then, well, sorry, Katerina to Jonas and then to, and then to Hannah, just there's a quick cut between the three, which is sort mm. of, when you think about those familial bonds, it's Jonas's paternal grandma to Jonas via Jonas's mother, who is sleeping with her father-in-law, which is, <laughs> which is a nice, a nice, uh, happy family there. Um, yeah, I love that you're start you're starting to get your head around these these just relationships. I I wrote that down and then I just shook my head. I was like, Jesus Christ, it's going to get complicated. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, the Ulrich and Regina scene is probably the 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 one to really take note of here. And and Ulrich has spent this entire episode thus far walking around looking like he wants to hit someone. Um, <laughs> And, uh, so you thought yeah. you thought he was going to hit Regina here, did you? I, I mean, he's looked like he's about to hit any everyone, to be honest. Like, I suppose I what he I'm... what he does later in the episode, I suppose, maybe it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's kind of there's a tension in his performance, which is you know here, um, but it um, it reveals itself fully later in the episode. Um, I think the the thing that that struck me was Regina talks very cryptically here about Mads' disappearance, saying if you hadn't have bullied me and forced Mads to walk home with me, that whole thing would never have happened. And it, I was just sort of yelling at the screen, like, what whole thing happened? Like, what does that mean? You need to unpack that that sentence to tell me what actually happened. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they will do later. And, and this was really the scene, uh, as well as one later on, where I started really turning on Ulrich's character and coming around a bit on Regina, um, who, you know, she's still she's quite a spiteful woman and, and she has mm -hmm. some anger issues, but I can kind of understand why she is the way she is with Ulrich and Katerina. And likewise, Ulrich, who starts off as this sort of semi-charming, if, if philandering individual, it just seems to be revealing more and more of his true self. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's more and more abhorrent. Yeah. Um, awesome. Moving on. So then we get, uh, Again, another like little montage, which Stark loves. Um, yep. And it's where Katrin is talking to the local radio station. Yeah. Uh, and we get sort of a couple of shots. Like we get uh, Ulrich looking at pictures in a photo album. We get uh, Alexander coming home and finding the letter from the doctor. He then, we can get into this in a minute, but he also rings the doctor and finds out about the cancer. Yeah. Um, we also get, and I'm sure you were loving to see this because finally we're getting something about it. Peter and Tronta together yeah. uh, at together the at, at, at the cabin. So, what you, anything you want to sort of lay out here? 
so I, I mean there was one thing which struck me as a little odd in this scene which may, maybe it was just my read of it but I, I thought it was strange for Katerina to hit Marta for implying that Mikkel is dead and then phone a radio to talk about a murderer in, in Vinden um, that, that felt like a bit of a jump for her character um, but um, well, there's listen. just but by Sorry, the end, by the end she has come around to well she's at the by the end she sort of opened her heart to her daughter again so maybe maybe she's maybe she's accepted that he might be dead yeah yeah i mean may, yeah that that is that is possibly possibly the case um there's just some great lines in this from katarina like the the live next door to people you don't know is is such a great little nod to the fact that people are time people be time traveling all over the place <laughs> so you you don't you can't possibly know them because they've only they've only lived there for a day even though they the in your timeline they've been there for 33 years yeah, um, yeah. and there's a great line which is um behind a door is my son which is a fantastic piece of imagery for the reveal later yeah. in this episode um and yeah as you say peter doppler and tranta up to no good in the cabin and unless they're really into having sex in anoraks and wellington boots i don't think it's a it's a, a love <laughs> affair so yeah i it, they're so so guilty that I can't I can't bring myself to suspect them. I've, I'm still waiting for the show to kind of pull back on them, and be like, oh, they're actually helping, you know, the good guys, but they're doing it in a in a suspicious way. Um, but it's it's certainly compelling. I, I need to find out what what they're actually doing. Awesome. Uh, okay, so I just want to add something to this scene. I thought it was hilarious that so many people were listening to the local radio station. Yeah, yeah, it's the most successful local radio DJ in the history of local radio. Exactly, I, I can tell you, I've uh, me and my wife used to have a local radio show in our town in uh, in Northern Ireland, and let me tell you, there was <laughs> absolutely no one listening. <laughs> I did university radio once, and I think at our peak, uh, we had about twenty listeners, yeah. most of whom we had directly asked to listen to the show. So yeah, that's how it goes. whatever this DJ is doing, he is doing something right. That's, yeah, exactly. They're doing well. Uh, okay, so uh, we again get Alexander yet yeah, ringing up uh, Regina in a lovely sort of touching scene where he's saying, uh, you know, I'll be there for you no matter what. Um, Him getting the test results annoyed me. Like, the re- who is this receptionist at the hospital that he phones up? He just gives out test results over the phone. <laughs> well, this is the big, the big. Uh, the bit, it's well, outrageous. If, if the dub was to make make us think that he was a gangster, so like maybe he's like maybe if he's known about town, you know, you don't, you don't mess. Oh yeah, him. he made a made a threat. Yeah, exactly. So I'll give her a give. Her, I'll give you a pair of concrete shoes if you don't if you don't tell me what's up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. Okay. So then we get the scene where probably you have the biggest shift in terms of your attitude towards Ulrich. If if you didn't so in the last episode, whenever it was sort of alluded to that he might have raped Katarina, this is definitely going to make you start seeing him in a negative light. He held Hannah up against uh, the wall by the throat, um, and he started like you know not that everything he was saying, you know maybe you could believe what he was saying and you could go along with his saying, but he was using the excessive force here. Yeah, um, I mean he's he's not doing his I don't hurt women case any good whatsoever in this scene. Quite frankly, like it's. He, yeah, you know, his exactly. actions speak louder than his words. Yeah, and he like he calls her poison, and he even throws it in like no wonder your husband killed himself. Yeah, but... invoking the dead husband is a real cheap shot in this scene. Yeah, what did you uh, from this scene or from what the happenings of this episode? What is your take now on the uh, witness statement that Hannah gave as fourteen year old? 
Um, I still think that something like if, if not explicitly rape then certainly a sexual assault or approaching it transpired because they wouldn't have shown um katarina with a black eye and, and crying and, and smeared makeup uh unless there was some truth to what hannah was saying now it, I, I think there's obviously as, as i was kind of hinting at in the last episode i think hannah reported it opportunistically i think there was malice in what she was trying to achieve but i also but i i don't think that means it's it's necessarily untruthful i think there was truth to what she was saying um and she was simply seizing on what she saw maybe embellishing it slightly um in order to try and get get katarina and ulrich away from each other um and you know ulrich is well in fact both of them uh ulrich and katarina are demonstrating that you know they have anger issues and potentially issues with violence so it's totally believable that one or both of them could allow a you know a sexual encounter to turn violent if if they got if they got angry um so yeah i still think something i still think like there is some truth to the allegations against Ulrich. okay cool uh all right so um at that point, I am going to sort of remind everyone listening, if you want to ask any questions to Conrad, uh, to point him in a particular direction uh, to do so. Because I think that we've already talked about a fair bit in this uh, episode, which there's plenty of avenues to go down uh, in terms of his own thoughts. So if I've missed something that you wanted me to pick up upon, make sure you leave a comment underneath under my pinned comment. Okay, after that plug, we get a, <laughs> we get a scene of Peter and Tronta in the bunker. And uh, Peter says, 19 minutes to go. Yeah, so something's going to happen at 9.17. And, and, you know, just to reiterate again, throughout all of this, we've had these kind of returns to Jonas making his way through the caves. And um, there, was, there was one quick scene just before um, Ulrich confronts Katarina where he actually finds the red thread yep. uh, in the caves, which is, you know, obviously Ariadne's thread. Or, well, not, not literally, but... <laughs> it's leading him into or perhaps out of the labyrinth um mm -hmm. and it's just this great interweaving of the metaphor with uh the actual th action that's going on in vinden and yeah seeing peter and tronta hanging out in the bunker with what appears to be well actually no it's in the later scene where we see their their book with the list but uh yeah the, the fact it's such a specific time gives you a hint that they know something's going to happen mm -hmm. uh and it's going to be something fairly out of the ordinary given they've got it down as happening at 9:17. yeah okay uh awesome now i don't know how we're going to do this next 10 minutes of the show yeah so, because it is all a massive interconnection of everything so i'm just going to say maybe three sentences about what it is and then we can talk about stuff we'll see what happens yeah. so first of all i'll start off with the plate so we get a play that seems to be centered around Ariadne's thread, as we say. It's um, talking about minus stuff, stuff as well, minus. Yeah. Um, then we also get uh, Bartos is sitting watching it in the play. I thought that was quite nice. I need to go and see her in the play. Then we've also got um, Katarina, uh, who eventually comes in as well. After the play, then I'm going to leave the Jonas stuff in the in the caves till after we talk about this. Is that all right? But if you want yeah, to yeah, bring it in. No, it's, I think it, I think I've got some stuff. I've got some fairly wild theories about Marta coming out of this episode, uh, which I think I will probably get into quite naturally as we discuss the play stuff. So we can probably get into the Jonas stuff after after that. Okay, cool. So then we have uh, a scene after the play 
where Katarina and Regina confront each other and Regina's it's almost like she after finding out she has cancer she has like a sense of reckless abandon about her yeah yeah she she's just like she's basically given up on yeah on life almost there's no false pretense about her anymore she's just saying i'm gonna tell you exactly why i'm annoyed about you for over, over all these years and there's a sort of sense i have to tell it now because i don't know how long i've got yeah um and then there was a bit of a fight prince the principal fighting in a fist fight is never a good thing um in yep. the school um, I th- if I've missed something, let me know. But I think that's probably everything to do with the play section of it. So, and obviously, this is all intercut with Jonas in the in the cave. So, if you want to bring that into it, you can. But what do you have to say about all what I've just went through? So, the play stuff. This might have been me just going down a ridiculous blind alley. But there's a lot of very sort of pregnant dialogue that Marta um, issues, and it feels so explicit that it doesn't it doesn't just feel like they're using Marta as a vehicle to deliver metaphor via the play. So she's talking about being how she is the daughter of Minos, who, you know, is the guy who, who um, like built the labyrinth and puts the Minotaur at the center of it. And how her brother is the Minotaur and how she doesn't care about that. Mm-hmm. And to me, the implication there is that maybe Marta isn't actually Ulrich at, well, isn't actually Ulrich and uh, Katarina's daughter, purely because, although you know the the Minos was is the antagonist. Uh, well, as far as I know, I haven't actually read it of of the story of um, I think it's Perseus. Did I say it was Perseus? Yeah, it's it one is, of the Greek heroes. Perseus. Perseus and the Minotaur. Um, it doesn't feel like Ulrich plays as a kind of central role in this story to be considered like the architect of the labyrinth and equally her brother being the Minotaur. It doesn't really feel like that's fair to Magnus to suggest that like to sort of draw that comparison with him. So again, this could just be me reading far too much into the metaphors that Master is delivering as a character and they're just supposed to be kind of this surface level uh, dialogue that reminds you of the themes while they're actually going on in the episode. But to me, That's what I started thinking about. So obviously, she 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 talks about um, she talks about being the daughter of Minos, um, and then yeah, the beast is Ariadne's brother. Um, when it talks, and to be honest, actually, when it says uh, when when she talks about the Minotaur, it shows Ulrich, which again made me think, okay, is there has there been something that's gone on here with Marta, where she's at, where Ulrich is actually like her brother or something like that, and then. <laughs> I started thinking about whether is she potentially like Noah's child and she has been planted into this family. Yeah. It's this wild theory that I started concocting, but it sounds the way she talked about this made it seem, and the way the kind of imagery is cut together made it seem so explicit. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've got on the play. There was the line, a loose end in time when she's kind of delivering her final monologue before she sort of breaks mm-hmm. down and starts crying, which is, it's just, a, it's a great monologue. It's a fantastic piece of acting. And this idea that no matter what family we are born into, the bonds that we form are our own and there's no God or destiny. It's the only judge at the end can be ourselves. And it, it really kind of plays into that theme that we were talking about earlier, particularly with Magnus, where, you know, he may be cut from the same cloth as Tronta and Ulrich, but he's kind of forging his own path. And to a certain extent, I think all of the children in this are trying to get away from the sins of their parents, if you like. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a, just a, it's, it's another great 
montage with Marta as the central character in it, really guiding the narrative over the top of it. But the fact they've done it twice just feels so explicit to me that I'd be surprised if it was just metaphor. Okay, interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, great analysis. I, I'm going to say something that maybe the listeners will slap me on the wrist for. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but I want them to trust me because I what I'm about to say it might point you it might it might make you go down a rabbit hole. Okay. okay. However, I don't intend that to happen. I just want I just wanted to make my own uh, comment on that thematic sort of realm you're in. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Marta's brother Mikkel uh is i i always viewed it in terms of the themes of that of that uh play coming out i viewed him as the minotaur who'd been placed in the in the labyrinth as in time yeah so now Jonas is like perseus being led to you know almost to hit to the minotaur if you would imagine what i mean yeah I'm, i mean there's definitely... else for fear of putting you down a particular path but that's what i always that's, that was my initial analysis when I was watching it at the time. Yeah, and I think there's definitely value to that. That w- I was actually thinking about that as the as the other possibility. It was the reason that I started going down this weird. Oh, is Marta even actually a member of this family rabbit hole? And is is, is are Ulrich and Katrina actually her parents? Was purely because when she talks about the Minotaur, it cuts to Ulrich, um, and I don't know describing Mikkel in terms of the Minotaur in this story feels unfair to Mikkel. Although may, you know, maybe Mikkel's character will develop in such a way that he, he becomes deserving of that. Um, certainly we know that he knows the stranger and the stranger by the look of him has seen some pretty rough situations. So maybe Mikkel will get to that, that kind of state as well, where he's a, a, a you know, pretty rough character. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I mean, Marta has been such an important character in these past few episodes without actually being given that much to do. It's all character mm-hmm. work, but it's really, really compelling when they, when they use her like this. Um, mm-hmm. So I really hope there's more from her. Okay, so now let's go into the Jonas in the Caves section. So okay. he goes into the caves, he's wandered about. He finds a red string that's attached to what looks like... Well, do you, do you remember what, the, what it's attached to? Did, did uh, it's you... Ouroboros. It's yeah, the so snake like, snake eating its own tail, which is yeah. very thematically appropriate for the idea of these events looping over and over again. Yeah, awesome. Uh, exactly, yeah. I just uh, didn't want to say exactly what it was, just in case you <laughs> didn't... Uh, there's already been one or two things in this episode which I haven't mentioned because you didn't mention them, but... Uh, oh, really? God damn it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are also thinking, what are they? I can't, I can't say, I can't say. Uh, okay, so then we get the door. So you... you are, does this count as a point for you? I think it probably does. Uh, even though it's only a small point, you saying that there's like a thin place under, yeah, under there's, the earth. There's some place in the caves where you can tra- travel through time. This sort of, it's kind of a point for you, isn't it? I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picky. Like I'll have it. I think there was definitely very clear allusions to that. There was going to be something to do with time travel in the caves. Um, yeah. Okay, so then we get the Sig- uh, Sigmundus Creatus est on, on the front of the door. He goes into yeah. the door. It's a huge long tunnel, seems to be carved out of stone or just whatever bedrock is there. Yeah, and very explicitly um, man-made as well, because nature doesn't carve things in right angles like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so he gets down... Or make doors, for that matter. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, not yet anyway. But that's yeah. the thing, though. We are of nature, human beings. That is so true, yeah. Anything we make is actually a natural thing. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, 
he gets down the uh, fairway in the tunnel and there's a, it branches off into two directions. Yeah. Um, the lights all start going mental in the town and that's when we see the 9 or 2117 in the book that, yeah. uh, that they have. Um, what do you think? I'm going to let you go here if you want. <sighs> Bloody hell. Okay, right. So, I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll discuss the sort of present implications of this first or, or like what i was thinking not to do with like the broader sigmundus creatus est stuff that can be I'll, in, I'll in the roundup maybe yeah maybe i'll do that in the roundup because there's so much to get into with this that I'll, I'll just be talking for like 20 minutes if i do all of it now okay. um <clears throat> so the fact that when he opens the, when Jonas opens the door all the power appears to be affected and they very explicitly show that they show charlotte's car headlights blinking as well which means it's not a power grid thing mm -hmm. it's some kind of electrical interference um and obviously the question is uh who put that door there and why <laughs> those, those are quite quite big questions that i had um so and we know by the end of this that Jonas is traversing effectively through time uh but it's it's responding to something that um, he's traveling through something that responds to his passage by causing these power outages. And it's fascinating that Peter and Tronte, uh, Tronte, <laughs> I'm just going to call him Tronte. That's what it, this is his name now. Um, they've got the time written down in their book with a matching symbol on it. Uh, so they already know that this is going to happen as if it's predestined or as if it has already happened. Mm -hmm. So something has like someone is expecting this to happen and the question remains who are they working for i, d I don't think they're working for noah but it it remains to be it remains to be seen exactly what part they're playing in this um and just the way this scene is shot uh specifically Jonas going through the caves it reminded me a bit of alien like it's so brilliantly tense and there are these great like distant shots of him facing the camera with just his future torch in his hand just completely surrounded by darkness mm -hmm. and it's it's so it's so compelling uh, yeah, yeah. to watch um and I, actually to be honest i suppose i could get into get into my my emerald tablet stuff do you want me to do it now or do you want me to do it in the roundup you go ahead i don't mind okay so we've talked a bit about tabulus maragdina um, and the Emerald Tablet uh, previously. So, and basically, what what that is is a hermetic text. So, basically, the origins of alchemy, uh, which is said to contain the secret of the prima materia and the process for its sort of transmutation into the philosopher's stone. So, uh, it's basically the philosopher's stone, basically being like this legendary alchemical uh, substance that can turn base materials into gold and, crucially, provide eternal life. And so, it, can also, it can also burn Voldemort's face if you put it, it on. Can, yeah, that's true. It can burn Voldemort's face and mm -hmm. um, something to do with the Tri-Cup. It's been a long time since I've read Harry Potter. Tri-Wizard Cup, yeah. Tri-Wizard Cup, yeah. No, that's, that's a later... Like, I've just exposed the fact I know nothing about Harry Potter there by just throwing in a, wan a random word that means nothing. A random no, he knows, he knows very little about Harry Potter, which is funny because... <laughs> uh, no one will know this about Conrad, but he actually got very far in the auditions to play Harry Potter. Yeah, that is true. I did audition to play Harry Potter. And, so. he, and he didn't get it because he was too tall. Yeah, which I think was a polite way of saying that I was an awful actor. But, um, <laughs> you know, they missed out, frankly. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Harry Potter's uh, loss is the After Dark podcast game. Exactly, yeah. What fools they were. How, how little they knew that a mere 20 years on, I would be beginning my ascent to stardom. Um, 
but yeah, so, okay, Sigmundus Creatus Est is in the Tabulus Magdina or the Emerald Tablet. They've mentioned it once before, and obviously it's come back again here. So basically it's to do with taking the prima materia which is kind of this like formless base of all matter so it's you know raw chaos ether gaia life stream something like that whatever you yeah. want to call it and taking that and turning it into or using it to create the philosopher's stone and i mm -hmm. think that this whatever <clears throat> organization or being has created these passages through time um is is utilizing this prima materia and i think noah has found it and i think he's using it to keep himself young <laughs> so he has the philosopher's stone effectively and that's how he's staying young so do you, are you are you saying that noah actually didn't time travel he's just the same age in all the times yeah yeah so okay. i think i well i don't think noah actually exists in a time i think he's yeah. he has the philosopher's stone and he's just stepping between times at will um using and i and you know going back to what i said in the last episode i think he's i think there's probably some kind of property of the philosopher's stone that means it needs it needs to be used via a child or something like that which means he's having to drain these children or horrifically burn these children in order to use it um but but that's kind of like my wild theory based that i were <laughs> based on the wikipedia deep dive i went down after i saw the 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 title of this episode makes me think that we're going to get into some kind of alchemical discussion about there being some kind of matter underneath the earth or, or actually within the earth itself that can be leveraged to travel through time or manipulate time or you know make give yourself eternal life if you uh, if you know how to use it um i wonder if it's going to be dark matter or something like that based purely on the name of the show um mm -hmm. but it's yeah so that that's kind of where the uh whether the title of the episode ended up leading me um and yeah when 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 jonas and so when i first read that after i saw the the title of the episode it was just kind of a theory cooking away in my head and then when when jonas finds the door with it written on it i i went into absolute overdrive because it's <laughs> it's like something made that tunnel like it's not just there but it's not a cave it has a door with writing on it so mm -hmm. it's yeah i i can't wait to see what what happens and it's it's like we were saying before it's jonas has existed as the kind of propulsion of this episode just pulling us through in this really great sort of tense scene of him progressing through the caves and then when it gets to this bit it's just it's yet another massive hook that the show has thrown out to just say i bet you want to watch the next episode yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this, it's it's sort of opening, opening the door to some other other group or power or s something is happening in the show that there's some there's someone who knows everything and we want to meet that person. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Which 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 goes a little bit contrary against your point in the last episode, where you said that you felt like all the pieces were on the board. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as as soon as um as soon as we saw this like cave that had been or this this tunnel that had been carved out in the uh, in the earth, uh, yeah, I immediately started thinking, all right, well, there's some people we haven't met yet, presumably, because <laughs> I don't think Noah made this. It, this feels the the way it's it's kind of um, it's made of this like kind of obsidian material and like dark iron. It, it it feels it's i think that the sort of um production design of it is very explicitly designed to feel old to to feel very very old um 
so yeah I, th I think whoever made this we haven't met them yet which means the pieces are in fact not all on the board in fact i wonder if there is a separate board that we don't know about yet that has a bunch of other pieces on it that are doing other <laughs> things yeah well, maybe you could, you could view 86 and 2019 as two separate boards yeah it's it's like um it's like when you're like uh playing D and D, and the D the DM keeps on like adding tiles to the battle map as you're going. Like you don't know they're there yet, but the DM does, and he's he's throwing stuff in as uh, yeah. as he sees fit. He's willing you to go through that door. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, there's a question about the branching tunnels, so I'm going to leave that until the questions episode. Is okay. that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Cool. So, uh, Auric, then uh, after all that, we we get the proper sort of dark uh, montage where we get the, the music, which is another great song. Uh, and Ulrich is uh, again, looking through uh, family photos and he finds um, a picture of him and Mads where Mads is wearing a jumper, yellow jumper, yeah. and uh, which maybe sparked your interest. Um, yeah. And then we also get Regina coming home into the arms of Alexander. We get the Nielsen's walking up to their house you know, sans Ulrich, I suppose, with uh, holding hands, uh, very united at this point. And uh, Eunice walks out into a strange world with no drug chair. What do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I, I, I pumped my fist in the air when I saw Jonas walk out the other side of that cave and just congratulated myself on calling that Jonas was going to go back in time because he's in the bloody 80s now. Um, but yeah, the, the character work here is great as well. Like the the Alexander and Regina stuff feels very believable, and it's just nice to give those characters some some kind of grounding and reality rather than just having them as the as the sort of bitchy hotel owner and the evil corporate guy. Um, that yeah. it fleshes them out really nicely. Yeah, and this um, is sort of their episode to do that. Like every family sort of got their episode, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's a it's you know, as we've come to expect from Dark, it's just a really good use of montage to kind of tie all the threads, if you'll excuse the pun, um, <laughs> together for the for the end of the episode. And and the fact it ends with a really, really lovely scene of Marta and Magnus kind of cuddling mm -hmm. in bed. And it's a really nice parallel to the, uh, the brief scene of Ulrich and Katerina in bed in the previous episode where they were kind of had very negative body language. They were sort of yeah. um, facing away from one another and they were surrounded by darkness. And in this Master and Magnus, their body language is much more open. They're kind of almost facing one another and the scene is much better lit. Uh, and it's just, there, there are these, as there are throughout this series, there are these kind of mirrors held up between people who are similar to one another, in this case, Master and Magnus and their parents. Mm -hmm. and, and this shows them, hopefully, becoming different people to their parents who, yeah. as, as we've learned in this episode, they're not great people. So we really don't want Master and Magnus to follow in their footsteps. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Okay, so probably not the in terms of like if you were gonna, if you were to rank the uh, montages, which we're not going to do, but I'll, I'll just I'll just <laughs> say I'll say for this one, there's definitely been much more compelling montages already. But having said that, dark montages are still fantastic. So yeah, um, they're all they're all great. Like there's not a bad one in the bunch, really. No, not really. Uh, okay, so then we get one of my favorite scenes. Um, uh, which is the one where Jonas comes, sees the uh, Mads Nielsen missing posters, and then uh, yeah, it's a great little tease that because uh -huh. they've they've deliberately showed us the three posters next to each other of Eric Mikkel and Yassin previously, and mm -hmm. so it's just sows that little seed of doubt in your mind that maybe he hasn't travelled back in time, and then it the focus changes and it shows it's three of Mads, and it's yeah. like yep, 
Yeah, and then we get uh, his mom, Hannah, uh, pulling up in the in the van, talking about Chernobyl and all sorts. Uh, what did yeah. you think? What did you, what did you think of this? It's. I mean, it's it's a it's just a nice sort of confirmation that, mm-hmm. that what has what has happened. Um, it, it lets you know that if it, what you suspected is correct, basically. I, I, it's not a. I, I didn't get anything super important from this scene in yeah. itself, but it's just you know confirmation, basically. Yeah, and for me, it was like it was uh, in 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 terms of like the roadmap of awesome time travel uh, films and TV. They sort of are following Back to the Future here a little bit because you know whenever. Marty McFly goes back to the fifties. Well, he's yeah. the first person he meets. Well, it's yeah, his, it's his dad. So, um, and then they also, then he also gets hit hit by the uh, hit by the car from his from his mom too. So his it's mom, sort yeah. of, it's sort of all in that. Uh, so first person he meets is his mom, which is interesting. Uh, and then we get the big reveal at the end of the episode that yep. uh, there's a little scar on this uh, cadaver's uh, chin, which yeah. means this is actually Mads, which puts a hole in your big theory. Yeah, it's um, it's it has it has kind of yeah blown up that gift of God theory a little bit that this is Mads, and it's funny like I I had half a mind that this might be Mads when he first turned up, and then I dismissed it as being ridiculous, and here <laughs> and here we are four episodes on, and uh, like I, I look back on that innocent young man I was <laughs> six episodes ago like a babe in the woods, and uh, and don't recognise them anymore, but I yeah I I'm. I have a lot of questions about this like whether whether this is a body that was consumed if you like by noah and they're just disposing of it sort of callously in another timeline like why why is he turning up now and if he's if he's turning up now where is eric going to turn up and where is yasin going to turn up mm-hmm. it's 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 odd to me that his body was sent forward in time um so yeah i i'm not <laughs> I, I don't really have an answer to that or even a theory about that at the moment, but it's certainly fascinating. Yeah. Um, awesome. <laughs> so I will say at risk of being very self-congratulatory, because um, it is a bit hard for me to do this because everyone else who's watched the show, or who's listening to this has seen all the show, presumably. Yeah. Uh, unless they're doing a watch along with us, which would probably be a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, each to their own. Uh, I will say that myself and my wife, as soon as this body turned up at the end of episode one, as soon as that happened and we saw the tape player and everything, we both immediately knew it was Mads from the get go. Uh, So it was just really, it was something that was tickling me the last few weeks uh, with you coming up with theories about who Mads is and stuff. And to be honest with you, the one about Mads being sent back in time as well, like Mikkel was, that was really interesting. And actually, I could see why you thought that. But in my back of my mind, I had the little giggle going on because I I knew, like, I was like, how is he not seeing this, you know? Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it, it is kind of staring you right in the face that some random boy that looks suspiciously like the photos of Mads we've seen. Um, but I, I guess it's it's similar to, it kind of mirrors how Ulrich feels i guess like ulrich looked directly at the body and didn't yeah. recognize it because he wasn't looking for mads like and in his yeah. mind it was impossible mm-hmm. for that to be mads even yeah. though the, the truth was staring him in the face um and i guess to be fair as well it is kind of it, like it is horrifically scarred too so uh it makes it difficult but um yeah it's i i'm fascinated to see where they go with this and, and why why now and why here uh this body is turning up yeah and to be honest with you that's something that i've sort of 
I've, I've, I've had a lot of discussions with people in comment sections and on Reddit and in real life. And they ask the question all the time, you know, like, well, how didn't Ulrich notice it was Mads or how didn't Hannah notice whenever she grew up that Mick, young Mikkel looked like what her husband looked like. And it's, it all comes down to no, you know, unless why on earth would you ever come, come into your head that time travel is real unless. Yeah. Like you're, it's impossible. Like you're not looking for it. You're not yeah. going to see it. Like it's impossible. Like it's literally impossible for that body to be Mads. Mm -hmm. So or it couldn't possibly see Mads in it. Like it, it just, it wouldn't register in his mind to even consider that as a possibility. So I think that's totally believable. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's the end of the episode. Uh, let's do the roundup. Okay. So that was episode six. Well, uh, what are your overall thoughts, Conrad? We'll keep them quite brief because I think we've went over quite a lot of theories already this uh, episode. So maybe we don't have too much to add, but what do you think overall? Um, so I think it was a, another strong episode. Uh, I really loved a lot of the character work from Marta, uh, Regina, Auric, uh, and Katarina, and to a certain extent, um, Magnus as well. Um, and there are some great hooks in the, uh, the Peter Doppler and Tronta stuff, and Mads obviously turning up in the present. And just, yeah, that, that just to reiterate again, that sort of plot device of Jonas progressing through the caves to, to move the episode forward it was it was so smartly done and um, really really effectively realized um, but yeah it was a really good episode awesome so my useless IMDB uh, ratings uh, 9.1 for this one which actually puts it at the highest rated of all the episodes so far just ahead of the last one truths which was 9.0 um, I, I'd probably, I don't know if I'd give it that higher rating. I think it's still probably above the, where would I put it? I'd say it probably, it's probably above the third episode, but I, I'd probably put it in the middle, the mid eights somewhere. I, I still think episode five is the best one um, by some way. Um, so yeah, probably in the mid eights, but you know, it's still a really good episode. Yeah, exactly. And we are splitting hairs, but it is uh, definitely, yeah, definitely better than I would say, I think you're thinking of episode four. The, uh, the Doppler family episode. Oh, sorry. Yeah, episode four. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah, the episode three was the first 80s episode, which I thought was a really good episode. But, yeah, that, um, was, that was a great one. Yeah, definitely this sort of did have a feeling, as I said, of sort of starting in first gear again because we've had a big, big reveal in the last episode and we're always sort of getting to know the Tiedemans now and it's sort of ramping up again. So just, just due to the pacing of the season, this episode was never going to be at the same sort of satisfaction level as the last. However, said that, it's a really good episode. Yeah. What the... Dub? Okay, so every week I torture myself by watching the uh, episode in English dub because I'd only ever dipped my toes in before, but now I'm given the whole experience. Now, the people who actually watch the dub generally, there are some a lot of people who actually watch the dub as their way to take the show in, which is, I'm not judging you. Uh, but I will say this week, you'll be happy to hear this, this edition of it. Because to be honest with you, there wasn't much to notice in this episode that I haven't touched on before in terms of people's names and all this sort of thing. And yes, it is a bit strange with the tone. It doesn't quite fit, but there was nothing huge that stood out to me as being hilarious. So this week, um, I'm, I'm just going to mention something that I thought they did quite well in the dub. Would you believe that, Conrad? Uh, well, I mean, that remains to be seen. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> all right. So you can view it in two <laughs> ways. What I'm, what I'm going to say, you can view it in two ways. So what I was going to say was, Regina, her voice in the dub, I hadn't noticed up to this point. I don't know why. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but her voice in the dub is actually not an American accent. Oh, really? 
yeah, I, I really should have maybe looked up who the actress was. Give me so, a second. Regina. Oh, you know what? Actually, while you're looking it up, there was another theory, or well, not even a theory, that I came up with that I can, I, I'll vamp with. So this is just a throwaway thing, but I noticed on reflection of last week's episode that Yasin's surname is Frieser, which is the same surname as the writer. That's true. So, so I, in my head, I started wondering whether it's either a little throwaway thing or the authors are going to do like a self-insert into the story like Stephen King did in The Dark Tower. So uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see if like Baron Barrowd or Anyansha Frieser turn up in this at some point as kind of omnipotent characters. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure George R. R. Martin is somewhere in uh, in his in in uh, the Song of Ice and Fire yeah, as well. Yeah, I think he did insert. Uh, he's got some weird name. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. So I found it. Uh, the the, yeah. the actress's name is Ariana Vogues or Vogus. So I would imagine Ariana. I'm not quite. I'm not, I can't. Even, I can't even find what their nationality is to be honest. But that the name proves it, doesn't it, Conrad? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's that doesn't sound like an American name to me. Well, I guess Ariana is potentially an American name. But uh, yeah, what an odd choice. I, uh, that feels like it would stand out quite significantly against the cast made up of American actors. It does, but this is what I was going to say to you. When she's speaking, because maybe she's not the same sort of... She doesn't have the American accent. Because I'm, it's because I'm used to watching it in German. The fact that she had a subtler accent and a, it was a different... For, it was a foreign accent to America it felt more realistic to me. You know, it actually, <laughs> fe it, it felt like she's the first person whose voice matched them, you know? You gravitated towards her as a character, almost as if the actors who are able to deliver this, uh, this dialogue in a manner which would be appropriate for the setting helps, helps to give it a sense of verisimilitude. Would you stop talking crazy, please? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, um, so I'm not gonna leave you without something funny though. So basically, right. yeah, give us, give us the goods. Yeah. So basically this isn't, this is actually in a strange turn for what the dub, this is not about the dub, right? It's right. about the actual German audio, uh, original, uh, sound, sounds, soundtrack, I suppose, whatever, whatever you call it, it's audio track. So basically the moment when, Al, uh, Ulrich has Hannah up against the wall, right yeah go, go with me here there is a joke at the end of it that sounds like a real fodder for comedy moment yeah yeah exactly he has her up against the wall by the neck and he's saying what do you want what do you want right yeah and she answers in german obviously because she's german are you are you gonna make a joke about how she says dick yeah you go you got it so you are immature no but I'm, that's, that's, I'm, <laughs> I'm, make, I'm making a more subtle point than that because <laughs> by saying the german word it works in both languages. Uh, yeah, I guess it does. That's true. Yeah, different, different just... personality for each yeah, one, but it still it makes, works. It makes it slightly more explicit in English than it does in, uh, <laughs> and it, you know, it doesn't have to be Ulrich if, like, in the English version as well. But um... yeah. All right. Um, okay, I think that's us for the week. Uh, so, if you want to listen to us on the audio podcasting apps, we are on all of those. Uh, go subscribe to us there. Uh, if you want to leave a comment to ask Conrad a question about episode seven, do that underneath my pinned comment at the top, please. That makes it easier for me to find them. And apart from that, I think that's us done. I think we've had a great episode this week. We've tried to keep it a bit shorter. We are going to start doing the question and answer episodes every week. So I think it breaks it up nicely. 
and it means that uh, people who don't want to sit around for an hour and 50 minutes listening to uh, us ramble on, they can they can separate it out into two parts, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I think we had a great a great episode this week. I'm looking forward to seeing Conrad's thoughts going forward. What are yeah. you most looking forward to, Conrad, about next episode? Uh, I, I want to see more of um, Peter Doppler and Tronta. I want to I want to know what they're up to, and I want to see what Jonas get and Mikkel get up to in the 80s. That that's the big the big stuff for me. Awesome. Okay, so until then, catch us later in the week for the questions and answers, and if not, next Monday for the episode seven episode of After Dark Podcast. Thanks very much for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the After Dark Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode.